Support for Terrestrial comes from Westland Distillery. Seattle-based Westland uses locally grown barley to create new varietals of malt never before used in whiskey. The result is an American single malt whiskey that reflects the unique qualities of the Pacific Northwest. To learn more, visit westlanddistillery.com. Back in February, former Utah Congressman Jason Chaffetz found himself in an awkward situation. He had to admit he'd made a mistake, and he posted an apology on Instagram. So in the photo, he's posing with a hunting dog in full camo, and Chaffetz often posts pictures of himself hunting, riding horses, shooting guns. But the caption on this one was different. It says, I'm a proud gun owner, hunter, and love our public lands. I hear you, and HR 621 dies tomorrow. And he ends with the hashtag, keep it public. So that's Stephanie Joyce. Stephanie, who are you? Uh, I'm a reporter. I cover the Royal West. And what is HR 621? Yeah, so HR 621 was a bill that would have sold off 3 million acres of public land. And here's the really interesting part of it. It's a bill that Chaffetz himself introduced just a week before posting that photo. So then why the about face from him? Well, he got a lot of blowback from his constituents, and the photo offers a big hint as to exactly who those constituents were. Hunters. So we've talked about public lands on this show before, and the fact that the federal government owns almost half of the land in the West is definitely a sore spot for many Westerners. We all remember the Bundy standoff at the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Oregon last year. But in this case, hunters were actually in favor of the federal government hanging on to public lands. Yeah, they were, which is a little bit surprising, you know, because hunters have typically aligned with Republicans on most issues. And it's the Republican Party and Republicans like Jason Chaffetz that have been leading this nationwide push for the federal government to cede control of public lands. Transferring public lands out of federal control was even part of the 2016 Republican platform. So why are some hunters so opposed to selling off public lands? Today, we're going to hear a story about how this fight turned personal for one hunter. I'm Ashley Ahern, and you're listening to Terrestrial, a show that explores the choices we make in a world we've changed. So that hashtag in Jason Chaffetz's post, Keep It Public, is part of a campaign backed by two hunting groups, the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, or BHA. And BHA has chapters around the country. It's headquartered in Missoula, Montana. That's where Stephanie met Ty Stubblefield. He works for BHA, and today he's a staunch supporter of public lands. But he hasn't always been. There's nowhere Ty feels more comfortable than in the woods. You know, being out here where we're at right now just calms my soul. And honestly, there's no place I'd rather be. It's just after sunrise on a summer morning, and we're hiking up the side of a mountain on the outskirts of Missoula. Ty is six foot with a big red beard. He sniffs the air. Something's dead. I can smell something. Deer got hit or something. Ty's job is to coordinate with local chapters of BHA and recruit new members to the hunting group. It's a job he loves, but one that's cost him friends recently because of BHA's position on public lands. This is his bi-weekly training hike, and Ty is carrying 40-pound weights in an army green rucksack. We're both sweating. 
but it's nothing compared to a typical day of hunting for Ty. Usually you're hiking before daylight and on a backcountry hunt, like you're not getting back to camp until well after dark. So long, long days. Elk can cover some ground, you know, they'll cover 10 miles in a day like it's no big deal. So you have to be able to do the same. At one point, a passing hiker asks Ty about his pack. Overnight backpack, my goodness. <laughs> training, the van's in training. training. What are you training for? Uh, hunting. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that required training. <laughs> Have a good day. That was a funny reaction. Oh, hunting. Didn't know that required training. Ty is visibly irritated by the comment, but he lets it go. He's used to people painting hunters with a broad brush. The thing is, here in the United States, without hunters, hikers like the one we met wouldn't have so many places to go. At the turn of the 20th century, Teddy Roosevelt, himself a big hunter, shifted federal policy from selling off or transferring land to keeping it for national parks and forests. And now that there's a push to reverse that, Ty wants people to know that it's hunters who are fighting the hardest to keep that from happening. There's a lot of people that go out here, I mean, we saw them today, don't have a clue about public lands, the threat, um, you know, and they're out here enjoying this, you know, awesome mountainside on public trails and they have no idea that there's a, an imminent threat of losing it. But Ty himself didn't always care about public lands. He grew up in southwest Oregon in a small logging town, the kind of place where the government is viewed with a healthy dose of suspicion. And when he started hunting as a kid, politics were far from his mind. My cousins played basketball, they did sports. I wanted to hunt, I wanted to fish, I wanted to be in the woods to, to be away from roads and people. And, and uh, there was a little gas station in a little town that I lived in. And uh, he had guns on the wall. I remember going in there, Johnny Kavner was his name. Johnny Shell was the gas station in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. And um, I remember Johnny came in one day and I was sitting there staring at this wall of guns. And he's like, what, do you, what are you doing, boy? And I said, well, I, I want to go hunting, so I need a rifle. And, you know, I didn't know what I needed, I didn't know anything. And so he showed me this uh, old Winchester Model 94 lever action 3030. And he's like, this is 250 bucks. He goes, I'll tell you what, you bring me money as you get it, and I'll hold it until you pay it off. And so it was layaway, you know, back in the day. And so I went and mowed yards and stacked firewood and did everything I could to buy my first rifle. Ty taught himself to hunt and spent every moment he could out in the woods. He'd even skip class to go hunting. He wanted to be outdoors all the time, which is how, after high school, he ended up working in logging. It's just kind of your typical thing for that community. It's just what you did. Through the course of my you know, young adult life, I literally have done every, everything in the timber industry, from you know, cutting the trees down, to skidding them, to loading them on the trucks, to hauling them, you know, and everything in the mill, just about. And he was getting even more into hunting, which meant spending even more time in the woods. A coworker introduced him to bow hunting, 
and he became obsessed with understanding elk behavior. In order to hunt a 700-pound animal with a bow, you have to get within a few dozen yards. One way to get that close is to call them in, to fool them into thinking you're one of them. When you're bow hunting, they're typically rutting, which, you know, means it's breeding season. And, uh, you know, a, a good way to put it is like a bunch of dudes and women in a bar, like 21-year-olds. There's a lot of ego there, and there's a lot of drive. The ladies call, the ladies talk, and the boys talk, you know. And you play on that ego. You insult them, you, you know, which is called a bugle. Bugles have, lights, you know, a couple of different meanings, and there's different types of bugles. And um, so you can play off of that. The more time Ty spent in the woods hunting, the more he came to appreciate wild places, and the more he found himself worried about their future. And he started wondering how exactly to square that with his work. Trees are one of the most renewable resources on this planet. And, you know, logging in itself is not a, you know, not a bad thing. But what I, sometimes I struggled with, you know, places that I'd hunted, even when I was younger, and we were going in there and, and cutting all the trees down, like just internally, like I struggled with that a little bit. Like, I, you know, it was a place that I'd gone to and, you know, you, you spend hours and days walking through some of the same patches of timber and, and then they, you know, they get cut down and you're like, I understand this has to happen, but then you're also like, there needs to be some places that I can go that this will never happen. But despite those feelings, Ty stuck with the timber industry. Until 2008, he owned and ran his own logging company. Then, with the housing crisis, it all came to a virtual standstill, and he had to look for work elsewhere. At first, his interest in conserving wildlife habitat landed him a job at an Oregon hunting organization that mostly focused on improving access for hunters. But then, a few years back, something big happened in the Oregon hunting community. Local timber companies that had always allowed hunting on their land started putting up gates, citing wildfire danger and vandalism. Some of them decided to charge fees and issue permits. Others just prohibited access outright. A good portion of western Oregon is private timberlands. So when they started, um, they started you know, making it fee access, that's when you start to open your eyes like, you know, it's their private property. They can do whatever they want with it. And closing it off and charging you to access their property is perfectly legal. And they were doing that. So you started realizing how valuable those federal public lands are. But where ties from, praising federal public land is tantamount to sacrilege. Especially in timber communities, the federal government is not well-loved. Federal environmental regulations were widely blamed for a major drop-off in logging in the 90s that cost thousands of jobs. And people haven't forgotten. So when Ty started to see federal control of public land as good for hunters, that put him in an awkward position. He found himself having to pick a side, the timber industry and the people he had grown up with, or hunting. Coming up, Ty discovers that wading into the fight over public lands means getting accused of being a liberal environmentalist. Support for Terrestrial comes from Westland Distillery. Westland is leading the emerging new category of American single malt whiskey. 
distilled, matured, and bottled in the heart of the Pacific Northwest, a region known for its innovative spirit. Their whiskeys bring a new and distinctly American voice to the world of single malt. To learn more, visit westlanddistillery.com. Support for Terrestrial also comes from ReachNow Mobility Services by BMW. ReachNow members have access to hundreds of BMW and mini vehicles for flexible one-way trips around Seattle. Listen to your favorite public radio station in comfort and style as you drive to your favorite destination. Don't feel like driving? No problem. ReachNow will pick you up and drop you off. It's the best way to get to the people and places you love. Learn more at ReachNow.com. They try to use the party line to kind of push us into that that uh, environmental category, and uh, we don't we don't choose party lines. We don't. If you were if you were on our side, it doesn't matter what side of the party line you're on. So at this point, Ty is thinking about the fact that private landowners like the timber companies can shut off access to their property at any time, and he starts to realize the implications for hunters if there's no public land. When it gets privatized, like Europe, you don't you don't get that opportunity. My wife, my wife's German. Um, her parents came over from Germany shortly after World War II, and she still has cousins over there. And uh, here a few few years ago, he uh, messaged her and told her Merry Christmas. What are you doing? And we were actually I was cutting up an elk that I'd shot uh, just before Christmas, and we we're you know we we're processing it in the kitchen, and. He was he was completely dumbfounded. He thought that we were extremely wealthy because we actually went out and hunted elk. He said the only way you do that here is if you have a lot of money. You must you must be rich. To which Ty thought, um, no. <laughs> Far, couldn't be farther from the truth here in my double wide trailer sitting on this little piece of mountainside that you know I'm I'm actually doing this because we're hungry, <laughs> not because we have money, you know. And uh, so for me, that was that was kind of the beginning of it for me, like the eye opener that, um, you know, you go to Europe and those folks don't even they don't get the opportunity. And Ty didn't keep quiet about his newfound insights into the importance of public land, even though it often put him at odds with the people around him. He started talking about it with his hunting buddies, including his son-in-law, Josh Keller. But where Ty no longer depended on the timber industry for his livelihood, Josh did. Like Ty, Josh grew up in a logging town in Oregon. He started hunting as a kid with his dad. Yeah, he was hunting. I followed him around, you know, loudly. <laughs> really loud. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember just walking behind him and he'd always turn around and look at me like, really? <laughs> Josh is still loud. A few years ago, Extreme Elk magazine issued a bugle challenge, which Josh saw and figured... Anyone can go out in the woods and bugle. So I put on my camo boots and a cowboy hat, and uh, I grab my bugle, and I grab my brother to film this. They walk into a Walmart, a Home Depot. It's not September yet, but it'll do. They also go to a McDonald's, a local gym, a Thai restaurant. The video is pretty funny. We'll link to it in the show notes if you want to watch. Anyways, so when Ty started talking to Josh about public lands, 
Josh was skeptical. He was working as an electrician at a plant that processed lumber into particle board. And most of the people around him, including his family, felt pretty strongly that federal control of the forest was just plain bad for the timber industry. But Josh respected Ty, so he heard him out. You know, he's pointed at some chunks of land that he's like, yeah, that all used to be public, but it's not anymore. It's been sold. I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucks. I would have liked to have gone there or hunted that. But I guess the biggest one for me was him explaining to me how this works from transferring from federal to state control. What resonated with Josh was the fact that most states, unlike the federal government, are required to balance their budgets. So in times when cash is short, selling off land to make up the difference can seem attractive. Which is what's happened in the past. Estimates are that between 40 and 70 percent of the land transferred to states at statehood has since been sold. And Josh worried that the same would happen again if the federal government transferred land to the states. And all that new private land would be off limits to hunters. But it wasn't easy for him to concede that letting the federal government manage public lands might be a good idea. Because, you know, the old me would have said, that's BS. I think the state should have control of the land. A lot of people think that, which in a perfect world, you know, maybe that would be awesome. But you know what? It's not because it's I mean, and if you don't believe it, look at the stats on, you know, our federally controlled and managed lands that have been transferred to state and how many of them and how many acres have been sold off. It doesn't work. Slowly, Josh started coming to the same conclusion as Ty about how important public land is to hunting and why it should stay under federal control. Being a hunter, it requires a lot more land. And if you don't have money or ranch, then, you know, without public lands, you don't hunt at all. Then in 2015, Ty got a job with backcountry hunters and anglers and relocated to Montana. And Josh decided to follow him so they could keep hunting together. That did not go over well with Josh's dad, who was already suspicious about his son's newfound interest in public lands. My father's electrician at a at a stud mill, you know, where they make, you know, just pump out board feet, you know, making two by fours and studs. Um, so you know that buying logs is is where they're making money. You started looking into what this BHA is, and I, I think one of the first things a lot of people find is. Um, you know, you can go online, there's that green decoys. Green decoys. This is a term I had never heard before researching BHA. But basically, there's this online campaign run by a nonprofit called the Environmental Policy Alliance, which has ties to the oil industry. The group tries to convince people that BHA is essentially a wolf in sheep's clothing, a green decoy. A sportsman group in name only that is really just a front for the radical liberal foundations that fund them. So Josh's dad finds this stuff online, and he's really not happy that his son is moving out to Montana to hang out with Ty. My father sees the organization Backcountry Hunters and Anglers as some kind of hippie tree hugger thing. Um, In other words, not the sort of people he thinks Josh should be spending time with. But walking into BHA and meeting everybody there, and once you learn about it, there's... It's everybody's kind of like a one issue voter there, you know, it's it's different. It's not it's not liberal, Republican, Democratic. The thing is, when it comes to public lands, BHA's interests do frequently coincide with those of the so-called hippie tree huggers. 
That's what happened when Oregon decided to sell off the Elliott State Forest. It's a huge forest, more than 80,000 acres, in the Coast Mountains, a couple hours west of where Ty and Josh are from. Under state law, the forest is supposed to be managed for timber to pay for schools. But because of various environmental regulations and lawsuits, there hasn't been much logging there in recent years. So in February 2017, Oregon did exactly what Josh and Ty worry states will do if federal land is transferred to them. The state land board voted to sell the forest to a private timber company. The timber industry was all for it, as were most of Josh and Ty's friends and family. More logging meant more jobs and more revenue to communities. But there was also huge public backlash led by environmental groups who didn't want the forest sold off. So it's loggers versus environmentalists, and then BHA gets involved, also opposing the sale of the forest because of concerns about hunter access. And Ty, in his new job at BHA, was posting on social media about why the forest should stay public. That made a lot of people he grew up with and worked with in the timber industry really mad. I've definitely had some some people that uh, we've severed ties to, you know, it got to the point where they, they started calling me an, an environmentalist because I wanted my public lands to stay public. And Ty was like, wait a minute. I'm as far from being an environmentalist as you'll get. I'm a red-blooded conservative. And it wasn't just Facebook friends who were mad. Ty says even his best friend, who he used to run the logging company with, felt betrayed. He was pretty, pretty angry at me for the stance. And I told him, I'm like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if that timber company buys it and they man- they cut trees down. You know, the number of jobs that it was going to create was not worth losing our public lands over. Now, just to be clear, Ty wasn't advocating that the state keep the forest and turn it into a nature preserve. Even though he wanted it to stay public, he also thought it should be logged. That's what its intended purpose is. It's that particular piece of forest is uh, grows so fast. Yeah, something that should definitely be utilized, should be managed properly, you know, should be logged properly. But that isn't likely to happen. So to a lot of people in Ty and Josh's circle, a vote for government management was a vote against them. Josh says it created a huge rift with his parents, especially his dad, that they can't talk about even now. Someday, we'll have a conversation about it. That, you know, it's, uh, I get it, you know, a lot of the argument is people's work and livelihood, you know, they want to make that money, so... But he says he also understands it's not all about money. I mean, he's, he's not, he's an intelligent man, you know, he's, he's not dumb by any means, and he's got his beliefs, and he can be stubborn behind them, but, um, yeah, it's uh, definitely a touchy subject. In May, Oregon reversed its decision to sell the Elliott State Forest. It will stay public. But neither Josh nor Ty thinks this is the last time they'll find themselves at odds with people they care about over this issue. Because for both of them, hunting is their identity, and people who want public lands sold off or transferred to the states are a threat to that. When we were out hiking, I asked Ty, what would he do if the Trump administration decided to transfer public land to the states? Fight it tooth and nail. Fight it to the bloody end. It may not be with guns and, you know, bullets, but... There will be some kind of war. There's enough people that outside of myself, outside of the hunting community, that value our, our lands the way they are now, that it would be an all-out war, I think. 
our land, our public, federal public lands right now is what shaped America. It is why we are who we are today. So to change that now, you know, that's, I don't see it. I'm scared that it's, they're trying to do that. I just can't see it happening. I just can't fathom that changing. This story was reported by Stephanie May Joyce. Terrestrial is edited by Annie Aviles. Our producer and sound designer is Jonathan Hirsch. Lila Cherneff is our fact checker. Kristen Lepore leads our audience development. And Augusta Chapman is our associate producer. Our managing editor is Brendan Sweeney. And thanks to Montana Public Radio for use of their studios in making this episode. Our theme music is by the band Tremor. Terrestrial was developed with support from the NPR Story Lab and were produced out of KUOW in Seattle. I'm Ashley Ahern. Thanks so much for listening. Adrenaline rushing. I'm like a little kid. Every time I hear that, first time in, you know, when season starts and you like the first bugle you hear, you just like, ah! Yeah. That never changes. That never changes. That never goes away.